1: Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Wallace, and welcome to the State of the Union Podcast. We look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This episode, we'll be talking Messi's American introduction. Uh, let's see. Sydney Life, Top Gun, Maverick, kissing off the Gold Cup, the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup, some preview stuff that we're doing, Ronaldo's diss, and our friend Zach from Australia. But first, joining me as always my friend and my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossier, soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire! Mosse, how you doing on this July 18th, 2023, from Sydney, Australia, my
2: man! Not a bad place to spend the next few weeks. Uh, I you love it. You seem overjoyed. No, I've already fallen in love with this place. <laughs> Been here a couple days. Uh, done a lot of walking around. Already went to the Opera House, the Botanical Garden. I plan to walk across the bridge. Uh, our studio location is phenomenal, so... I am loving this. It's going to be a terrific summer.
1: Well, you can, you can see this incredible studio and this incredible backdrop that we have. And I told you we're going to talk about a little bit of the Gold Cup uh, later on in the show, but we just kind of finished up the Gold Cup, and we introduced this set to myself and, uh, Rob Stone and our good friend Carly Lloyd. And a lot of people looked at it and said it, it looks fake. Now, we're going to need your help here, okay? Because, um, if you can see over here, over my shoulder, okay, over there, there's a tree right there. I mean, we have built this thing on an incredible piece of land, and we're not just gonna go digging up trees. It's been there forever. I want you to name this tree, because for all of our men and women that work behind the scenes, this is the bane of their existence, okay? And it will be for the next month. So we need, we need to name this tree going forward uh, when it comes to the set, because you will see it on our set, you will see it on the, uh, the big fox set that we have, which is right next door. It's all fox anyway when it comes to it. Um, Have you seen anything, watched anything, read anything? Uh, What did you watch on the plane ride over? We only had 16
2: hours. (laughs) On the plane ride, I watched uh, Cocaine Bear, which I thought was dreadful. 30 minutes in, I was hoping the bear would eat everybody so the movie would end. Uh, But I sat through it for 90 minutes, um, and that was that. I brought some French and Italian books, did a little studying, and uh, managed to sleep for a decent amount of the flight, so it wasn't bad, I got through it.
1: Oh, boy, so I watched a bunch of stuff. Um, oh, before I got on, like hey, Sean, will you look up the um, who's the who's the guy that uh, that um, that was in the Star Wars thing that played uh, Ren or whatever his name is? The, the... Adam Driver. Yes, Adam Driver. Yeah. He's in this horrible, horrible movie, okay, that I watched. It's this scientific or science fiction prehistoric thing. I can't remember the name of it, but it just what is it? Sixty-five. What a piece of. Shit a movie this is, my friend. Holy mother of God! I think it took a hundred million dollars for them to make this piece of absolute crap. But you know what's not a piece of crap? And it never will be? Top Gun Maverick. I put that thing on. I was sitting at 37,000 feet. I put that thing on, and it transported me. And it is, as American, a movie that you will get. It makes me feel wonderful about not just America, but about life every single time I see it. It's becoming... A go to type of movie. I don't know how many times I've seen it. It's only been out for uh, a year, two years, whatever it is. I, I will continue to watch that. It's kind of like, uh, the Shawshank, where you have to watch it. Sure. it's there, you bring it up. I love it so much. They don't make movies like that, uh, like that anymore. I think there's a reason why it was so popular, so that was really, really cool, and that got me, uh, at least for a couple hours
2: there. And Tom Cruise has done it again. Uh, the new Mission Impossible is out. I'm hearing great things. Our boss, Brad Zager, went to see it. He was raving about it, so, yeah, can't wait to check that out of, as well.
1: Now, you said you've done a little bit of exploring. I mean, when you go to a town, you do not mess around. Uh, you-you do research. You research beforehand, you're all over the place, you're learning about different things. So far, this has been incredible. They also, they told us that it was winter down here. Um, you can see that the sun's out. At times, it's been 70, de- 70 degrees. Now, don't get me wrong, I-, I know there are days coming where we're gonna be freezing our ass off, But. Uh, it's been so wonderful so far. The weather has been incredible. The people, um, and not just the people that are working here, but everybody that we've met. Some really, really good food so far. Um, some really, really good wine. Stu Holden, our friend, just got here, and he was... he had some FOMO because he was doing the final over there in, uh, in Los Angeles of so the Gold Cup, and we were telling him about all the different places that we were going. The other thing is proximity. If you remember back in, uh, 2015, when Fox first did their-their uh, their first World Cup, Women's World Cup, and it was in, uh, Vancouver, we were able to walk, a lot of us, from where we were staying right down to the, uh, the harbor there, uh, and-and where our set was. And it's kind of the same thing here. It's just incredible in terms of the-the location and the logistics, uh, um, of doing these shows. So it's-it's-it's glorious right now. A lot of work's, uh, coming, uh, in the next... in the next month. We obviously are recording this on... Well, not obviously, but we are recording this on Tuesday. Um, jet lag. Real or manufactured? Do you believe in jet lag?
2: No, the first day or two gotcha. is rough. Got you. It um, got you. Just coming out of it now.
1: I... I-I... There are times where you ask me... If you ask me what day it is, let alone what time it is, I have no clue. And if-if I had to tell you, I would be off sometimes by multiple days and sometimes by multiple hours. I- I'm okay sleeping-wise. The worst case of jet lag I ever had was in Iceland, Reykjavik, Iceland. This isn't as bad. I just feel kind of in a fog as to what time it really, it really is. And it- it'll be... I feel like it's dinner time, and it's 11.30 in the morning. So that'll, that'll pass, because we're going to be, uh, be here long enough. Um, you ready to light this candle, my friend? Let's do it. What should we start with? Why don't we start with the Women's World Cup? Really? Okay, that's fine, we can do that. Um, Number one storyline when it comes to the Women's World Cup. okay? Because we'll we'll kind of go 30,000 feet and kind of bring it in as we go on. We're gonna have plenty of guests, by the way, when it comes to uh, delving into all the different stories, the big ones and the small ones. But if I ask you, David Mosse, the number one storyline for people as this World Cup is days away, what would you be thinking of?
2: I am curious to see if Europe can cash in, not since Germany in 2007 has a European nation won the World Cup. We've all seen the growth in the women's game in Europe, certainly at club level with the various domestic leagues, the Champions League, Barcelona, Lyon, attendance records and all the rest. And that's given rise to this narrative that Europe has caught up to the U.S. when it comes to women's soccer. But let's see them actually win a World Cup. I think it's either going to be the U.S. or one of the big European nations that are going to win it, so I'm curious to see which one.
1: I- I'm not sure, ultimately, if this ends up being the number one storyline, but certainly the expansion of this World Cup to 32 teams has created stories, including eight debutants. And so, you know, I, I-, I talk often about the-, the things that go beyond the actual kicking of the ball. And, you know, for example, Panama a few years ago in the, uh, in the men's World Cup. And that was an incredibly moving moment when they walked on the field for the first time. And it had nothing to do with whether they were gonna win the game or what the score was. It had to do with reaching this pinnacle and reaching this moment and what it meant, not just for the players and the team, but what it meant for the country. And it's maybe even more important now and more crucial and has a greater possibility of affecting change in a women's World Cup, because when these eight teams get on the field, some of them have been involved in soccer, but some of them haven't and are just coming on. And some of them are coming from countries and cultures that don't come close to giving the attention and the resources to women's sports, uh, or, uh, women's soccer that we do. And so to see, either in the moments, the incredible emotion and uh, those... those moments that now generations, when we talk about you know, Sophia Smith or uh, Trinity Rodman, they talk about watching the national team and watching heroes and watching them score goals and watching them do different things. Other countries and cultures are having that opportunity. And so when they walk on the field, what I hope is happening is that there are young boys and girls that are watching that. And from a young girl's perspective, you know, they have the belief that they can one day be there. From a young boy's perspective, they have an understanding at a young age that the women's game is still soccer and it should, uh, excite you, and it should be something that you tune into and something that you respect. But you got to get them young. And many, many years from now, I guarantee you that there will be women who are playing soccer on the field, the women that are involved in soccer off the field, that would say that, that will say that 2023 was a seminal moment. I looked at soccer in a different way. I looked at women's soccer in a different way. And I looked at my country and culture in a different way. And that's powerful stuff, my friend. That is powerful stuff.
2: Is there one debutant in particular? The eight debutants are Philippines, Vietnam, Morocco, Zambia, Haiti, Panama, Portugal, Republic of Ireland. Is there, is there one that you're excited to watch at this World Cup? Well, More so than the other? The Philippines is an
1: interesting one because of the expat type of uh, situation going on. Um, Portugal, because of the pedigree and what it possibly can do going
2: forward, um... Yeah, those, those are a couple, but really... I agree with you on Portugal. They feel like they're now what Spain was about a decade ago, and that's a nation that has some real potential to emerge in the women's game. Uh,
1: any particular match that you're most pumped for in the group states?
2: There are so many, uh, in the group stage. I could have gone a lot of different ways with this, but I'm picking Australia-Canada. That's the, the final, uh, group game for those teams in Group B. Uh, I'm dubbing it the Commonwealth Classico. Uh, it's Kerr versus Sinclair. It's the host versus the reigning Olympic gold medalist. I think that will be a fun one.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, to your point, U.S. Netherlands is going to be important, not just because it will be the first time that that we see the U.S. play a team in this tournament that, let's be honest, is on their level, but also the practical reality of what that result could mean from a group stage for uh, both of these teams. So I think, you know, that's one that stands out. Uh, Brazil and France being in the same group and therefore coming up against each other, I I am very, very positive about this French team. But if they were to stumble against Brazil, I might not feel the same way about
2: it. Those two played a great round of sixteen game at the last World Cup. France advanced in extra time.
1: Um, okay, let's see what else. Uh, is, Is there... If you were to give people, relative to the U.S. women's national team, one reason why they should believe, once again, in this U.S. women's national team as they embark on not just another World Cup, but an endeavor to win a historic three World Cups in a row, never been done men's and women's, and to win their fifth World Cup, only been done by... Who, who did it? Who, who's, who's won five World Cups?
2: Brazil. Oh. Brazil men. Yeah. Been stuck on five for Brazil quite a long time, yeah, I might for a say. Long time. Um, I know it's a cliché, but I would say the U.S. women, they know how to do this. I was talking to the great Tom Rinaldi about this today, name drop. Um, the U.S. has not trailed in a World Cup game since the 2011 quarterfinals against Brazil. The last time they trailed was when Abby Wambach scored maybe the most famous goal in U.S. women's national team history to equalize and at the penalties the U.S. advanced. It's been 16 World Cup games since then in which the U.S. has not trailed for a single minute in those games. Now, that does beg the question, if they fall behind in a game at this World Cup, that's gonna be uncharted waters. How are they gonna react? But still, I think that stat speaks to just how good they are on this stage. They
1: have a long history of being awesome. Even when others, including maybe myself at times, have thought that they couldn't continue to be so. And part of that is just that it's ingrained in the history and passed down. And we've seen a lot of stories, you mentioned Tom and others, that I think are gonna tell this story of why this team has been good for so long. Keep in mind, though, after 1999, it took them 16 years to get back to winning the World Cup. It's not that they weren't dominant, and it's not that we didn't have plenty of good talent, but actually being there in that moment. And now, two in a row. But generationally, it is passed down. From the moment that you get into camp, you, I would think, feel the vibe of expectation. You would feel the vibe of-of all of those incredible names that have come before, and wanting to not only live up to their success, uh, and their, you know, even their fame, but to try to surpass it and use that platform. And you hear a lot of the... Uh, of our women's team talk about there's a responsibility with that. And... and harnessing that platform, the things that you want to do, either as a soccer player, as a citizen of the... of the world, and all of the power behind that platform, and not taking it, uh, not taking it for granted. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um, I got another question here I wanted to ask you. When it comes to the threat, because... They're-they're lurking out there. Who do you think poses the biggest threat to the U.S. to do this historic three in a row?
2: I am going with Sweden. I am very high on them. Chris Bear, Felik, and I agree on this. Um, they've had a lot of near misses recently. They finished third at the last World Cup. They've been runners-up at the last two Olympics. Uh, I don't want to step on our next pod when we're gonna reveal our picks to win it, but, uh, you can tell by the way I'm talking that I might go that way because I am super high on this Sweden team. They have a player, Fidelina Rofo who I love. She scored the winning goal for Barcelona against Wolfsburg in the uh, last Champions League final, and I think she's going to carry over that form into this tournament and play well here. So, uh, And by the way, Sweden is a country that's always played the U.S. Yep. tough over the years. Yep. They beat them 3-0 in the last Olympics. Um, so if the U.S. were to run into Sweden in the knockout stage, that would be a major problem for them, I think.
1: I mean, I, 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 would, I would probably have to say England only because of the attention. Obviously, European champions. Everything points towards this is the moment, except for the fact that they have had injuries. And it's not the same team that we saw a year ago in, uh, in the Euros or won that, that, uh, that European championship. And so, but I do think that they feel that this is their time. But I think from an England perspective, they probably, whether they say it or not, what they, what England fears is that the time has passed and they had that little moment. Because this is about growing and getting better and better and better and better and better. And if it's just this blip up and down of that wonderful moment that doesn't ultimately result in the biggest prize, that's a problem. But I do, it's almost as if England feel like they're due. Because they finally put the effort and the resources in now, they have that moment and, 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 th- and they have to be given this. And uh, I, I would, it, would, it would hurt me deeply if England were to win. Uh,
2: I think they peaked last year. I mentioned the growth sure. of the women's game in Europe. We saw that in the Euros. They were piping hot. England beat Germany in this great final at Wembley in front of a massive crowd. But you mentioned the injuries. Losing players the caliber of Beth Mead and Fran Kirby and Leah Williamson, I think it's too much to overcome. So I no longer see England as a major, major contender to win this tournament. Ooh, wow,
1: love it. Well, listen, we will give our picks as to who we think are going to win the, uh, the World Cup uh, in, uh, in the next podcast. And speaking of podcasts, we are blowing it out. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday, but come the first day of uh, the World Cup, we will be giving you daily, daily State of the Unions. Is it State of the Union or State of the Unions? It'll be State of the Unions, right? Anyway, every single day, we will be giving you uh, State of the Unions, some condensed so you can do other, other things, but obviously going over all of the action on and off the field and all the stories that we have on uh, and off the field. Um, we have a special guest coming up. It's a surprise special guest and it was not anticipated, but my friend, if you didn't believe that you were huge, if you didn't believe that you were international, uh, this, th- this next segment, it's going to make you a believer. Don't go anywhere.
3: All right, welcome back. we got a, a
1: special guest here. We were just getting ready to uh, do some uh, stuff here, and he walked by, screamed and yelled, thought it was just, you know, a fanatic, crazy person. We come to find out that we have found, I'm not sure it's the only one, but certainly the first State of the Union fan here in Australia, a real live Australian here. Introduce yourself to America and the world. Hello, my name's Zach.
4: From Sydney, Australia. What's your
1: last name? Blank. Zach Blank from Sydney, Australia. Okay. You've met David Mosse
4: here. Tell the people how you became a fan of the State of the Union. Um, I think being here for the World Cup, I think you guys will probably realize that America is like Australia when it comes to soccer. or well, Australia is like America sure. where there's a lot of codes going on here and it's winter right now. so. There's uh, Aussie rules football, there's rugby league, and Australian football kind of reminds me of America, American football, American soccer, where right. there's four major codes happening in, in America, and, you know, soccer's kind of just like... This so little, it's a kindred spirit, yeah, I mean, it, well, you know, fighting yeah. against the
1: big dogs and fighting yeah. against the establishment and the history yeah. when it comes to that.
4: Yeah, and Australia reminds me of America, how there's so much sport, and, you know, the A-League here kind of, re- kind of reminds me of yeah. MLS. It's, you know... A-League's nearly 20-odd years old, MLS, you know, nearly 30, 30, 25 years into MLS. Sure. And, you know, Australia, we're trying to like be like MLS where, you know, we're trying to get, like, you know, the marquee players to come to, you know, come to Australia to try generate a crowd. You know, we had Del Piero here, which is probably the biggest signing that we right. had. And, you know, MLS just got messy and Sergio Busquets and, you know, vast majority of players coming over to the MLS. And, you know, I kind of, America's, like, soccer reminds me of Australian soccer, where, you know, it's just kind of the same. It
1: makes sense. I get it. All right, so what's happening in this World Cup? Are are the Australians ready for this? All right? I can't ask you about the New Zealanders because, you know, they're over there, but here in Australia and in Sydney, are you ready for what's about to
4: happen? I don't feel... I feel like the country is not ready for this World Cup just yet. okay.
1: You know it starts in two days, right?
4: Okay. of course I do. But, you know, there was a local, like, sports show on on the national broadcaster on Sunday, and they were talking about, like, people might not realize there's a Women's World Cup until Thursday comes, Got where it. people... That makes sense, yeah. ...where people will pack the live sites, and, you know, you can walk into any sports shop here and buy a jersey, you know, multiple jerseys, you know. But I feel like when it comes to Thursday, people will realize we had a world... This is a FIFA World Cup. Uh, well, they better... they better, you know yeah. I
1: mean? Because it's it's going all over the world. Obviously, from a U.S. perspective, yeah. we are totally into it. We're blowing it out here. Yeah. see anything to ask our friend Zach?
2: You know, the best player Alexi ever played against, Romario, actually had a brief cup of coffee in Australia late in his career. Del Piero played here as well. Um, Who would you rather meet, Sam Kerr or Tim Cahill? Be honest.
4: I actually met Tim Cahill when I was younger, when he was doing a book signing, but I think that's an easy question. I've already met Tim, and Sam is just a superstar, and she's doing so well over in Europe, and I feel...
2: Our impression is that women's football is actually quite popular in Australia. We're sensing a lot of excitement for this tournament. Is that the case? Would you say that's fair?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like my Twitter feed is just filled with people posting content about the US, well, the World Cup coming here, and the vast jerseys you can get in stores. And you know, w- you know, I follow the Matildas on socials, and like they're up in Brisbane, and they're getting ready for it. And yeah, I feel like it's going to come. It's just, it's just getting over that like hump where Thursday will come, I think, and people will realise. World Cup here.
1: And you can use it. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. We've seen it when it comes to the Men's World Cup in 94, yeah. the Women's World Cup in 99, yeah. so it's a great opportunity for Australia to use it as a platform to grow, not just women's sports and not yeah. just women's soccer, but all sports in, yeah. in general. So it's gonna be fun. Thank you for having us. No, thank uh, you. Thank you for coming up and uh, and sharing your story. And most importantly, thank you for being a fan of the State of the Union. That's what do you got, Mons? Can
2: I ask, uh, sure. I have all sorts of plans for the next few weeks. I'm obviously gonna go to a show at the Sydney Opera House. I'm gonna yeah. walk the bridge. Give me a sort of hidden secret gem, something I might not think of that I should definitely do during my stay in right. Sydney.
4: Not a strip club, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, obviously, depending on broadcast times, probably Bondi Beach, a day at Bondi Beach, or just even having a drink there, lunch, dinner, like, coffee there, breakfast. Bondi Beach, for sure. Um, obviously, this is a soccer podcast. So maybe I would kind of say, if you have time, maybe check out some Australian sports. Um, you know, r- rugby league, going on here but the stadiums are taking over so not quite in the city they are out out more in the suburbs um but yeah i feel like just enjoying join this just enjoy your time here like we've seen with the world cups hopefully you know people come you know is it always this great the weather um no Actually, it was quite raining yesterday, wasn't it? It was cold. I, we, we've had some pretty good weather since we've been here. So, oh, I'm you know, happy
1: to hear that. Well, we'll hopefully yeah. it can last for the next uh, the <laughs> next month. My friend, thank wonderful you. to meet you, okay? Best, you. Of, best of luck last and uh, and uh, enjoy the World Cup. No, right? thank you. We're, we're going to do it, too. So. All right, you can get up and leave, all right? <laughs> See ya. Security, escort him out. Oh, my goodness. I think this is a good time to talk about uh, Gold Cup, right? Do some Gold Cup reaction? Sounds good. All right, we're
3: going to do some Gold Cup here. That's Angie.com, or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services.
1: All right, let's talk some Gold Cup. We can kiss this tournament off, and although it didn't end well for the U.S. men's national team, it certainly ended well for Mexico, Mossy. Congratulations are in order to our friends mexico once again champions of CONCACAF, and even i can take a couple moments and recognize and applaud the efforts of mexico this was a national team unlike others that shall remain nameless for now that took this tournament seriously that brought the best possible team that they could for the moment and are getting their just rewards for the effort. Now, Mexico winning a Gold Cup is nothing new, long history, but Mexico winning the Gold Cup at this moment, we talked a lot about this on air, I think they needed this. They needed a moment, they needed a money shot where they held up the trophy, where the confetti came down, the music played, and they could celebrate El Tri. And when I say they, not just internally, the, the, the team and the players and the federation, but also the fans. because. This doesn't change everything, but at least this is a moment that they can hold on to that maybe portends for better things to come. I don't necessarily change, think it changes everything, but ultimately um, they should celebrate, and this should be celebrated uh, by Mexico, even though obviously the U.S. and others didn't necessarily bring their uh, their full team.
2: Uh, The tournament ended well for me. I get to keep my job because at the start of this Gold (laughs) Cup, I really hyped up Santiago Jimenez as the player to watch from Mexico. He was coming off a season in which he scored 23 goals in all competitions for Feyenoord, the most by a Mexican player in a debut European season, surpassing the 20 Chicharitos scored for Manchester United back in 2010-11. But lo and behold, Henry Martin was the starting center forward for this Gold Cup. And Martin thought he had scored in the first half. He had Mm -hmm. a goal wiped away because of offsides upon further review. And then Jimenez comes in late, scores a great goal. Though, you thought the Panama goalkeeper, Landon Mosqueda, could have done better on that play? I thought he could have done better. It brings
1: up a couple of things. Uh, Number one, you know, 50 yards for a striker like Jimenez, that's a long-distance run. Usually, you're gonna get caught while you're having to dribble the ball. But he had a wonderful move, uh, that set him free. And look, this was a jailbreak, and he's one-on-one with the defender, like I said, with 50 yards to go, and his first and second, and let's be honest, the, the third touches were really, really good. The shot was not good. He hit it into the ground. And yes, it, it just shows that if you put it in the direction uh, and back across the face of the goalkeeper, good things can happen. No, don't, don't get me wrong. This was a great goal for what it meant, but also the way in which he, he took it. And there's a lot of work once that ball gets to, uh, gets to his feet. It, it, there's, there was no question, I think, that Mexico was the better team. Panama held on. They had some moments every every once in a while. But to your point, whether it was a callback goal or the opportunities that, that came, Mexico ultimately deserved this relative to a very good Panama. And before we you know send everybody on their way, I think that if you're Panama or a fan of Panama, or even from the outside just looking at Panama over the next three years, you have to be incredibly positive about what this team is going to be. And again, to remind everybody, no Mexico, no Canada, and no US qualifying for the 26th World Cup. Panama has to be licking their chops. If they can continue this forward progression that they have certainly made and did in this Gold
2: Cup. Yeah, spare a thought for Panama. They've been to three Gold Cup finals, lost all three uh, in agonizing fashion. 2005 to the U.S. on penalties after a nil-nil draw. Then 2013 to the U.S., 1-0 on a goal by Breck Shea in the second half. And then this one, 1-0 to Mexico, Santi Jimenez. So, yeah, they've come agonizingly close. Uh, Only three nations have won the Gold Cup, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Panama desperately wanted to become the fourth. They came up short, but I agree with you. They are heading in the right direction. I, ex- I expect them to qualify for the next World Cup. And it'd be interesting to see how Mexico pushes on from this, starting with a big managerial decision. Yeah. Would you give Jimmy Lozano the job permanently?
1: We've talked about Jimmy Lozano, and, look, this is a wonderful card to play, uh, to say, look, I, I'm i giving you that moment of positivity. And, not for nothing, but the players are very positive and supportive. And, you know, I brought up the, the past with... Uh, with with Steve Sampson and being a prisoner of this moment, even as great as this moment is, he's got to be looked at. And just because it is a coach that has just been given this opportunity doesn't mean that he's not the right coach for the next three years. But I think the Federation has to really sit down and figure out whether he is, because you cannot afford to make a mistake. I guess if you're Mexico, you can because you just keep firing people. But it's so crucial in the next three years. We talk about it so much with Greg Berhalter and this US team and what people want to see and the evolution and the progress. And every day that you don't have a person in place, a permanent person in place, I think is, is a loss. And you're wasting that, uh, that time. So he's definitely going to be in the mix. But if he does not get the job, I don't think it's the end of the world. I will say, though, that there can be a false sense of security for this team because of this moment and the way that they, uh, in the way that they won, uh, won this Gold Cup just because they won the Gold Cup doesn't mean all, you know, that that gap's closed, the pendulum's swung, and it's happy days are here again for Mexico. They still got some major problems to fix over the next three years.
2: Yeah, to finish where I started, I wonder where Jimenez goes from here. I really think they need him to emerge as that center forward. And then you start looking at a front three of Chucky Lozano, Jimenez, and Tecatito Corona, it's pretty tasty, so uh, we'll see where Unless Mexico Chucky goes. Lozano
1: decides to come back to Major League Soccer, you know, and, uh, you know, that could, that, who knows, that could happen. Or the A-League. Or the A-League, for that matter, right? Oh, my goodness. All right. Listen, uh, next up for the, uh, the U.S., from a tournament perspective, next year we'll see them in, uh, in Copa America and, uh, and Mexico and, and others. So that's, you know, this is, this is it for the tournament type of situation for, uh, for these teams. I do think ultimately that this is going to be a forgettable type of Gold Cup from a U.S. perspective. Maybe not so from um, a uh, Mexico perspective. I mentioned Copa America next summer, which, by the way, you can see on, uh, on Fox. They came out with the branding, the, um, what do you call it? The uh, logo. logo. There you go. The logo for Copa America. I love this, Masi. I love this. And you know why I love this, Masi? Because Copa America is going to be in the United States next year, 2024. Why is it, or how is it, that... Comnable is able to do America better than America is able to do America. We are red, white, and blue stars and stripes, and yet we've gotten to this point in this country where we run screaming from it. And I guess it's our own fault, but the fact that Copa America has leaned into America being the host next summer and come up with a brand that screams America, I'm, I love it. I think it's wonderful. I think you see it, or you see it from afar. You're not going to know exactly what we are talking about here. But again, it just blows my mind that that is where the Americana is coming from, the folks down in, uh, in South America. So anyway, it's going to be a fun tournament. We, can, we cannot wait. We're going to have uh, plenty of coverage leading up to it and certainly into uh, next summer. It's going to be really fun. And from a national team perspective, we were just talking about the Gold Cup, it is the next time not only that we're going to see the U.S. men's national team in a tournament setting, but I think it's going to be the first, well, it's certainly from a tournament perspective, the most important judgment of Greg Berhalter. Because if it does not go well for Greg Berhalter in Copa America next summer, the knives are going to be out. And that in and of itself is reason to watch. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll give you Ask Alexi. Oh, my goodness. All sorts of questions going on. And obviously, there is something that involves messing.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS-56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Okay, welcome back. It's uh, time for Ask Alexi. That part of the show where you uh, send in your comments, questions, and concerns. Hopefully, you use that hashtag #AskAlexi out there on all the social media platforms. Again, our handle on uh, all those social media platforms is SOTU with Alexi or you can call into our State of the Union podcast hotline. Again, that number, 657-549-2297. That's 657-549-2297. Mossy, what do the uh, folks want to know about this episode?
2: We have a Twitter question. At Von Dunkies asks, should we anticipate special treatment from MLS officials with Messi?
1: Okay. Well, there was some interesting Messi moments here over the last couple of days. And keep in mind that we're here in... Uh, Australia, so we were kind of watching it all unfold. When it comes to Messi, when he... when he actually steps on the field for Inter-Miami, absolutely he is going to be treated differently, as every star athlete is in every league, in every single sport. And is it fair? No, well, it's not fair, but welcome to life, all right? Soccer isn't fair, and life isn't fair. And guess who's paying your salary? Guess who is now creating opportunities for you? Guess who is pushing this league along? It's that man right there. Guess who is selling tickets? Guess who is bringing more eyeballs? Guess who is bringing more attention that then can generate more money that you and future generations of soccer players can uh, can use? It's messy. He is a star in every sense of the word. And the trade-off is that, yeah, you know what? You might not touch him, and he might go down, and he might get the call. You might think that you didn't foul him, and he might get the call. So buyer beware. But for anybody to come in and thinking that that's not going to happen, then you probably have not watched sports.
2: I'm wondering if he gets special treatment from cashiers at supermarkets. Do we think he paid full amount for...
1: Interesting, interesting, my friend. So, again, we were, we were over here, and so we were watching it, and it was on social media and everything, so we did not see the messy announcement, but we saw the lead-up to the messy announcement. I, was, I didn't see it live, excuse me, but we saw the lead-up. And one of the things that, um... <laughs> that they did was, when I say did, uh, because this was absolutely orchestrated, is Messi, obviously, is in his new town. What's the first thing you do when you're in your new town? Well, you gotta stock the refrigerator. And so, lo and behold, he shows up at a Publix. For those that don't know, Publix is a uh, ubiquitous uh, grocery store down in that neck of the woods. And lo and behold, he is seen there with a big old, uh, you know, cart full of stuff that he's going to stock his refrigerator. It takes a couple of clicks to go to the InterMiami website, and pull up their corporate partners. And, whoa, amazing! Publix, there it is. Brilliant, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. I loved every, uh, every orchestrated second of it. But this is part of the, the give and take, and this is part of what Messi brings to this situation. And you better access that and use that at every opportunity that you get, with reason. And if it's done correctly and in and the right way, you can maximize the presence of, Mex- uh, of Messi, both on and off the field. All right, what else do we want to talk about here, Masi, when it comes to Messi or anybody else here, right? Um, let's see. Oh, his first match. Uh, now, this is... Uh, what we're hearing, okay, is that his first game is going to be July 21st against Cruz Azul in League's Cup. From a Fox perspective, we will actually have him, uh, when they play... I can't remember the date of it, but they play... December or-
2: 24th. There
1: you go. And so that's gonna be fun, uh, fun to, uh, to see that. When it comes to his introduction, because they had the whole thing down there in uh, in uh, in Miami, it, it was a huge production, and the weather didn't cooperate, but they worked through that. And I I started remembering back many many years ago when we introduced David Beckham, and you know you got thousands of people that come out to the stadium not to watch a game or do anything, but just to have a glimpse of this player that is theoretically, going to bring them to the promised land. And there's a curiosity, and um, there's a desire. And I think that that was, because I've I watched it back, what they were trying to do. And you know, there's fanfare, and there's stars. Obviously, David Beckham's there, and the Moss uh, ownership is there, uh, Commissioner Garber, all that kind of stuff. And ultimately, it's to just say, here's Messi to Miami, to the United States, and, uh, and to the world. And I, I remember thinking back to when we introduced David Beckham and all of the different details that went into, you know, when is the confetti going to be go up? What song are we going to use? I remember editing together the, the song that was going to play, all that. At one point, they used uh, in the Messi thing, um, Everybody Wants to Rule the World from uh, Tears for Fears, only a snippet. They should have just kept it and continued on with it. It's one of the great songs ever written. But uh, So I liked that, uh, liked that moment. But, Ultimately, what is this going to result in? This. is going to have to get out on the field with what right now has to be said is one of the worst teams in the league. And who knows? Maybe he is the guy that brings them, uh, back to, uh, to the promised land.
2: Uh, Nas sampled Everybody Wants to Rule the World for a track called Rule, and his album M- still Maddie.
1: Maybe that's what the... Maybe, maybe that's what that was. Maybe that's what that was. All right, listen, we're gonna, there's going to be plenty of time to talk, uh, to talk about Messi. But whenever you talk about Messi, at least for, for a number of years, there was always a counter when it came to Cristiano Ronaldo. So it has not stopped, evidently. Even though Cristiano Ronaldo has gone on to different things, Cristiano Ronaldo, when he speaks, people listen. And I hear him. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I'll tell you all about it. All right, welcome back, it's the end of our show, and at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. Mossy, <clears throat> I mentioned uh, before we went to break that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, you heard of this guy? I have. Plays over there in Saudi Arabia, okay? Almost out of sight, out of mind. For, for me, I, I will admit, I do not watch a lot of Saudi Arabian soccer, and I do not watch a lot of the uh, first division over there when it comes, well, or any division for that matter, when it comes to Saudi Arabia but that's where he is playing and he was asked about his you know Messi going to MLS and in general about MLS because there seems to be this debate as to what MLS is relative to Saudi Arabia what Saudi Arabia is relative to MLS we have certainly seen in the past places like China that have spent a tremendous amount of money to change the uh, perception, both internally and, more importantly, externally, about their league. We are seeing this now when it comes to Saudi Arabia and if it's going to stick. Uh, He was not kind, shall we say, to Major League Soccer in terms of the way that he sees Major League Soccer. And this is completely understandable. He said, the Saudi League is better than MLS. I'm 100% sure. He's definitive, my friend. Uh, He also said that he is 100% sure that he is not going to return to European soccer. So who knows? Maybe there's still an opportunity for him to come back. I don't think that Major League Soccer in any way sees the Saudi Arabian League as a competitor. The advantage that Major League Soccer has over other leagues is the destination and the desired destination that is the United States and North America for players. They can't necessarily compete and wouldn't, even if they could, want to compete in terms of the amount of money that is being splashed around. But they certainly can make good offers and then augment it with the fact that, for the most part, most players, and certainly most of the big-name players out there, would want to come to the United States over uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, who knows? Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo is different, and he wanted to go to Saudi Arabia. And we know he certainly has a past when it it comes to the U.S. I don't think that this hurts Major League Soccer by any stretch of the imagination. And, as I said, it's understandable for somebody who is not only playing in Saudi Arabia, but is the face now of the Saudi Arabian League and is making a tremendous amount of money over there saying something positive about what Saudi Arabia is. The shot at MLS for someone that has never played in MLS is a little interesting. I still love Cristiano Ronaldo, and I would love to see him at some point maybe even finish off his career over in Major League Soccer. And now with Messi there, that would be, uh, that would be something, uh, that would be something that I would watch. Masi, anything before you go?
2: I will say, part of the quote was, he said, I opened the door to Saudi Arabia, now everybody wants to come here. There is some truth to that. When Ronaldo went there, we all questioned, why would you go play in Saudi Arabia? And he said, you watch, players are gonna follow me here. And it's unbelievable how many players have gone there. And we still have a month and a half in the transfer window, so I think many more big names are gonna go. And Messi's decision to choose MLS now feels like a goal-line stand for people who don't like this whole Middle East development and her against sports-watching, et cetera, because had Messi gone there, too, I'm sorry, that would be the biggest league in the world right now. Just because it has Messi
1: and-and Ronaldo? Messi,
2: Ronaldo, Benzema, and all the other guys. Yeah, okay, but the
1: knock for so many years when it comes to Major League Soccer has been that Major League Soccer is a retirement league. I don't think that Messi has hurt the league in terms of the perception of people, or you know, made that accusation any... any truer. It's-it's not a retirement league. And fundamentally, when you look at how the league spends money, who they spend money on, you can show time and time again that it isn't. Are there older players that come here? Certainly. But I do think the perception when it comes to Saudi Arabia is the only reason that they are going there is for the money and probably the reality, <laughs> so it's not just perception, is that they're going for, uh, for the money. That can certainly bring a tremendous amount of talent, and it is bringing a tremendous amount of talent, but this back and forth that's gonna go on, fine, let's go. You want some, some more soccer wars? Now we're talking international soccer wars. We talk about the American soccer wars that we have. Z, by the way. Let's do, let's do the international soccer wars and may the best league win. And we got ourselves Messi, Saudi Arabia got themselves, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and others, uh, others to be sure. But if you offered every single player that's gone to Saudi Arabia the exact same money that they're making in Saudi Arabia, but they get to live in the United States, there'd be a stampede to the airport, my friend.
2: All right, anything before we go, Masi? Well, you mentioned all the podcasting we're doing. We have a massive crew here to support all that. Sean Sullivan is here, Aaron Schechter. Aaron Schechter watched Airbud seven straight times on a loop on the flight uh, right. here. Um, so uh, excited to have them all here. I wish they would include me in all their nights out. They, they, they've you been partying up the storm. A I never or, get a text or nothing. anything. But uh, nevertheless, uh, happy to have them all here and it uh, should be a fun summer. Well, we had a good dinner the other
1: night, so that was, uh, that was very good, some very good steaks. So we're having a good time, and as we said, Uh, we're gonna blow it out here for the next month and a half, and we're gonna bring you all of the action and, uh, on the field, all of the storylines, uh, whether they're on the field or off the field, and we couldn't be happier, and let's be honest, we couldn't be more lucky to be able to do this. The set is incredible. If you haven't seen it, uh, you know, it'll be on air every single day with, you know, the opera house and all that kind of stuff. Again, you know, please, 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 name this tree for us okay because you're going to see a lot of it over the next month and a half all right keep reviewing keep uh rating keep uh downloading and subscribing and doing all the different things that you do on all the different platforms that we ha- uh, have out there international baby from sydney for the next month and a half but don't go anywhere we'll see you again next state of the union until then and as always my friends size the day